Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. So, everybody, I don't know about you, but I'm in Los Angeles and it is pouring rain. So, yes, that fallacy that it never rains in sunny California, that's not exactly true. It took me uh, triple the time to get to the studio today and uh, it is raining cats and dogs and everything else. Okay, so some of you have never listened to the show and, you know, you're going to be in for a treat, I hope. Uh, but you don't know what the reason why the show is called Ask Brian, especially since my name is Peter. Where did he come up with the name Ask Brian, and what does it stand for? Well, first of all, Brian is spelled with an E, B-A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, and the real reason we switched to Ask Brian was when I attempted to get a domain name, there was no Ask Peter or Ask David, Ask anything else. The only thing else we had available was Ask Milt, Ask Call, or ask Brian with an E. So we went with E. Personally, I, I, I'm partial to the Ask Milt show. <laughs> Did you say Ask Milton? No, Milt. Milt. That could have been easily misunderstood. I'm glad you went with Ask Brian. <laughs> well, yes, we're not talking about uh, married, whatever. Um, but anyway, the uh, I didn't even know that Hall was a proper noun. So uh, I... I <laughs> discover that one too so i guess back in the 1920s everyone was calling themselves hall but you know the only one i know was monty hall and that's uh, the last name so <laughs> yes we finally got a sound can you give me a drum roll that wasn't me <laughs> no that's a that was not me well you need some sound <laughs> you need some sound it's christmas time you have any christmas bills get me a christmas bill it wasn't christmas. me <laughs> It was it was coming from my end, but I don't have the rest of my sound system. So that was yeah, great, so. though. <laughs> well, you're on cue. Maybe maybe you can be a regular on the show. <laughs> you you're already fitting in. <laughs> yes, but he doesn't know what he got himself into. So this week, our engineer uh, Emily is is out sick. So we have our distinguished uh, engineer who was here for many years, uh, Mister Patrick. Hey, oh. And Patrick. Patty's in the house. Yeah, well, where are the sounds? Why are you going woo woo? You got to get something going. Check out your sign bells. Come on, you got something there. It's Christmas time. You know, you know what? Uh, fine. Let me let me look. Let me look. Keep while talking. he's doing that, while yes. he's doing that, people want to know why we spell Brian with an E, and we're going to ask you why. You're on the spot, Johnny, on the spot. Oh, you're talking to me. Uh, yeah, even Johnny. My name's on the spot. not Johnny. Johnny on the spot isn't uh, is just a basic a, a reference. Cliche. Uh, <laughs> I see, I see. So the E's, oh, Lord, it, it's and it's not it's, because you're Irish and we go to O'Brien's Pub every week. Yeah, it, sure. Well, you know, I'll give you that. But Brian is spelled with an E. O'Brien. It's true. Uh, oh, it's been it's been a cool minute, ladies and gentlemen. The E's, E's. Oh, he gave me excitement before we even got on camera. It's so. not excitement. It's excitement. Woo, woo, woo. He's definitely got That's the excitement. He's definitely got the enthusiasm with it too. Enthusiasm. 
<laughs> it's like Sesame Street. I love it. Um, well, that's, no, that's when we get to a further ado. Yeah, that's the, that's the Sesame. Oh, I remember that now, Mister Bird. <laughs> Big Bird. All right. And you know, with Christmas time, we might see the Cookie Monster. <laughs> we might. Cookie Monster. Christmas time. Well, I think there. Oh, there was experts. Was a word. Um, was a good one because everybody's um an expert in their field on the Ask Brian show. Um. There is a experience because every uh, distinguished guest is very experienced in their field of choice. And also the person who's giving us the ease is experienced because we've been doing this for how long? Two two years now, I think. No Roughly. way. It's been two there. Years. I think so. I think so. Literally, literally, I think two years. Wow. I know, right? Um, let's see. Experts, uh, enthusiasm, excitement. There is uh, empathy. Empathy, that's what I was going to say. He's Boom. doing a lot of empathy to you today. He is. To show what happens when you're gone. He misses you. <laughs> he really it. does. I just realized he's being super nice. I'm scared. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll be back. Oh, no. By the way, where are the sounds? Don't you have dun, 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 Oh, no, dun. I have I have the well, sounds. Bring some up. I was waiting for your cue, mister. <laughs> Come on. All right. Well, uh, Trace, I'll, I'll play this for you. So brace for impact on this one, Tracy. Oh no! <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> Amazing! And one of the big E's that he missed—he missed one of the big E's, which is we try to educate people. Ed, ah, that's for edgy. That's a new. I think that one was mm. one of the newer ones, though. Six months is not new. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. That's twenty-six times you had the opportunity. <laughs> We're going to go right into the show without any further ado. How do you spell ado, Sesame Street character? I'm going to turn the snuffle up. I guess it's A-D-I-E-U, bird. And why do I like it? <laughs> <laughs> because every single letter except for the D is a vowel. Anyway, we have a great guest today. So true. <laughs> we have a great guest today, Brad. Uh, Brad Lafford. And um, what is the name of your company? It is Avana, so that's the brand name. Parent name is Vitalbev, INC. So why do you have two different names? Great question, yeah. So we filed the company under Vitalbev, INC, because, you know, brands, sometimes they need to shift and change, and we didn't want to have to go through all the, you know, legalities of shifting and changing everything there. So our name Avana came about, and it kind of stuck for, for a number of reasons, and we can get into that once we get into, like, our product and everything, too. So what's your background before you started this company? Yeah, totally. So I was actually, so by the way, the company is a, it's a, it's a tequila product. And so it's an alcoholic beverage and we'll crack that down in a little bit. But I was actually a pre-med undergrad student um, at Chapman University down in Orange County. I played football there. And so I was studying to go to medical school and actually did a uh, research project on ethanol metabolism with a professor there. And, you know, that was not to <laughs> decide what was going to be the next best uh, seltzer or the next best um, alcoholic drink for everybody. is more of a study for alcoholics and seeing, you know, what compounds in ethanol um, and which one of their metabolites actually affect, you know, thiamine deficiencies and a number of other things that, that you see when you, you know, consume too much alcohol, right? Um, so I was, I was doing that and I uh, kind of looked into the market a little bit and saw that, you know, seltzers are getting more health conscious, but we could take it to a whole other level. And so that was about three years ago, actually, when I started doing that. And uh, yeah, so that was my, my background before Ivana. Um, and now instead of, you know, working in the hospital, I am making tequila and organic tequila. 
So what does that mean, organic tequila? I mean, uh, tequila itself is alcohol, so how do you make it organic? That is a wonderful question. So everything from the actual piñas and, and the agave plants that we grow to make our tequila from, all the way to the other ingredients we add into our pre-made paloma and margarita, all has to be certified organic. And what that means is that none of the fruit or the agave or the process of harvesting it uses any kind of artificial chemicals or preservatives to you know, allow those things to grow unnaturally. And this comes into a big play when it comes to agave because there's a lot of additives that some tequila um, companies will use to get more, get more of these sugars out of the piñas after they're harvested, which is a very unnatural process for us. We do it all by hand. We use a brick oven, very old school way of doing it. It's actually a two-day process. So when you see organic, um, you know, it's basically our promise to our consumers that we did things the right way. We didn't use preservatives. There are no chemicals extracting the sugars from our pinas. Um, and the pina is the, the, the big fruity part that the tequila is, is made from. So that's really what organic means. So when you started this company, uh, was it just you or did you have other people with you? Yeah, it was just me. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I was, I was an undergrad student at Chapman University. Um, I saw that there was actually at the time no tequila-based seltzers. Um, now there's a few. Um, we actually are the first organic tequila-based one. But back then there was none. And I really believed that we could set a new standard for health consciousness for the, uh, for the industry. So I actually sold, uh, I sold my car to get the startup money to go make the formulas and, you know, take step one, right? So I did that. I rode around on a motorcycle. Um, I did that for about six months, getting the formulation down perfect, um, or at least good enough to raise a little money and uh, get off the motorcycle. So that was uh, that was kind of step one. And I brought on a partner, um, Austin Fisher, our COO, about about six months after I after I started the company, and he's been with us ever since. Well, it's a good thing you weren't drinking the tequila while you're driving on the motorcycle, because that could be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I stayed away stayed away from that. Um absolutely. <laughs> so, how did you st- did you find a factory that was making this for you or did you make it at home? How how did you make it the first couple of uh... Yeah, yeah, great question. So, you know, I did start a little bit of that, you know, back kitchen bringing in some craft cocktail makers just from around the area in the in the Orange County area. So, grab some people from Newport, um, some bars there, grab some people from bars in um, Orange, California, um, kind of just went to them and, and talked to them about what I wanted to make um, and kind of, you know, started going just to the drawing board. And I would say the biggest thing is when you get into making a health-conscious cocktail, it's like, where do you even start? You know, you look at a margarita that you order at the bar, the amount of sugar that goes into it, the amount of calories that come out of it is just tremendous. So for us, it wasn't just about, okay, how are we going to make this thing taste amazing? It was, how are we going to make this thing taste amazing, but also be on only 90 calories and zero grams of sugar, no carbs, and keep it fully organic. So it was a combination of that, you know, that in the kitchen taste testing with all of these craft cocktail people, but then also consulting um, with our formulators that uh, actually we pulled them from Coca-Cola and Bacardi. And so we worked with them to really get this thing to have the right balance of, you know, being a mindful beverage, um, but also tasting like something that has a little more, you know, oomph to it than a typical seltzer, right? And then for the packaging, uh, did you use an outside company that did everything for you and you just <laughs> used their plant or how did you get that going? 
Yeah, wonderful question. So I actually grew up with one of, used to be Under Armour's um, lead designers. Now he works for Nike. But he was a good friend of mine growing up. We used to snowboard together. And so when I wanted to start this company, he was actually one of the first people that I called and was like, hey, you know, this is a very competitive landscape. We need something that's going to, you know, really show who we are on the packaging. Um, so he is our creative designer now. And so he does everything from our packaging to our marketing material. Um, his name is Adam Johnson, and he is just tremendous. He does a great job for Nike. He does a great job for us. Um, and we're really excited to see some new stuff that will be coming from him this spring. And he's not related to Brian Johnson on the show. So um, I just want everyone to know. No. <laughs> That's right. Now, um, how did you sell your first first batch? Yeah. So the very the very first batch, we actually offered um, DSC through a, you know, a third party online. So you actually order straight off our website. So you go on our website and you can order – um, a four pack all the way up to, I believe, a 24 pack straight to your doorstep. So that was how we actually launched was just D2C. And that can, we can ship to about 38 states, I believe it is. So even people in Virginia, they can order our product. Uh, there's a few states in the South that unfortunately can't due to some liquor laws. Um, that's how we sold, you know, the first couple was just through word of mouth, you know, like talking about it, trying some marketing tactics out. And then we sold our very first B2B case to actually Papa's Liquor down in Corona Del Mar. Um, and they're actually one of, our, one of our favorite accounts. They sell a lot of Havana, surprisingly. So, yeah, that was actually our first personal section. You know, I brought that to them, you know, in my car, not even using a distribution truck yet. So very, very local, very homegrown brand right here. So two things. One is how do you verify someone's over 21 when they're buying it online? That is a great question, yes. Yeah. So when they purchase it, basically they have to consent to signing for the package and showing their ID when they sign for the package. So when they purchase online, they're going to input their name, um, you know, along with their address and everything else. And so basically what happens is when the delivery person comes with the package, they have a name on that package. And if it doesn't match their license, then they're not going to allow them to sign for it and give the package over to them. So you basically have to you know, make sure that you're going to be available to pick up the package when they bring it to your door. So they won't just leave it there and you know, leave. Otherwise, you could run into a very big issue with underage drinking there, right? So we, we cover that base by having that signing procedure and matching your ID um, with a delivery man. So you started online. So that, that's a very interesting point, too. You started online. Nobody knows who you are. You've got this, you know, mm-hmm. this this brand, and it's a new brand. Nobody's ever tasted it before. So, how do you get? How did you get attract your first customers? Yeah, great question. So online, the main thing was we we had a push with one of our um, investors had. Uh, he's actually a, a tattoo artist in LA, and so he tattoos a couple of influencers. And so whenever he would tattoo them, he would just give them some of our prototypes and some of our samples. And some of them really latched onto it and loved it. So we actually, when we launched the online stuff, we had them, we gave them some samples a little bit early and they were able to, you know, like tell their following about it and that kind of thing. So that actually really created a buzz around our D2C online launch. Um, And, you know, you'd be surprised that you typically don't think about, you know, buying a canned um, RTD or like, you know, beer online. You typically only buy like, you know, your, your very 
premium, hard to find bottles of like whiskey or something like that online. But they actually did quite a few. Um, we, we sold out and I think it was only two weeks. We sold out of all of our inventory for the D to C that we had. So, so yeah, that's kind of, kind of how we did it. We did it kind of grassroots through some influencers that were getting tattooed by one of our investors. So that's, that's kind of how we started to get out the gate. So how did you find your investor? He actually tattooed uh, my business partner, um, Austin Fisher. So that, that was how we found him, him specifically. And, you know, like I said, he has lots of connections that helped us out really early on. So he was a great value add um, to one of our first rounds of financing and really helped us out, like just kind of building the grassroots section. And now our grassroots tactics are much more fun. You know, we, we like to do a lot of in-person, you know, B2B stuff. So working on-premise um, with some of your local bars and clubs in L.A. and Orange County and throwing events, which I will say are the most fun events. So, yeah, so kind of how we blended into everything else. And uh, probably more fun after they drink it. Um, so yes. <laughs> what year did you start actually selling? You said three years ago you started with the concept. How long was it before you were selling? Six months, a year? Yeah, so long story short, we just started selling only two months ago. That's when we started our B2B selling. We had actually our launch event in Santa Monica um, and have been selling B2B only two months ago. So we are very new, but we have a good, strong account base that's growing just about every week now. But you're also selling to consumers online. So when did that start? Yeah, so that started over the summer. So that started in July. Um, so we only had about two months of just D2C selling and then launched our B2B strategy just about two months ago. So that's kind of how that flowed into the B2B section. Tracy, you had some questions you want to ask Brad. Yeah, so Brad, I mean, everything sounds like it's really just moving great in terms of your product awareness, your brand awareness, and the organic marketing strategies that you talked about are really impressive. What types of marketing strategies do you have planned uh, to go beyond just an organic strategy now that you've moved into B2B and still maintaining a B2C audience? Oh, that is a wonderful question. So grassroots stuff has, has been great. We have um, a lot more plans there. Now, expanding outside of that and expanding into some new markets, you know, it, it is interesting because media buying, you know, ad spend for Facebook and Instagram has been a little bit tricky as of late. Um, and I think anybody that sells e-commerce or online can resonate with me there. So, you know, we're no looking doubt. at, diff- right, right, yeah. So we're looking at new avenues of, so how can we compensate for the return that we're going to, that we're losing, that we're not seeing like, you know, a lot of our projections we're predicting and what companies were seeing last year, two years ago and everything. So we are turning our gears towards TikTok a little bit. Um, so, you know, we, we do have a younger um, demographic. The demographic is, you know, from 22 all the way up to, you know, your early 40s. So TikTok is, is you know, not something that I don't think is too, you know, early for us or too young of a demographic for us. I mean, obviously there are some, but the ads there have been interesting. You know, it's a different platform than Instagram and Facebook, but it's something that we have been kind of testing with and we're going to be launching our campaign for that in January, so right around the corner. You know, that's so smart because so many people have gravitated away from the Facebook and Instagram apps for that very reason to TikTok, and it seems to actually be now spanning 
all age demographics where absolutely it was a younger demographic initially. So will you be filming um, TikToks at your live events and posting them, or what is what are you going to be doing specifically for your TikTok strategy? Absolutely, yeah. So, so I would say one of the really cool things about Avon right now is our live events. So they'll definitely be incorporated into our TikToks because the live events are going so well. I mean, our, our launch event, you know, nobody had really – tried Avana yet in the launch event we had only like word of mouth like kind of you know peer-to-peer and we had 600 people RSVP for our launch event in Santa Monica and actually had to like turn down quite a few people because we maxed out our venue um so and, and the event was absolutely amazing actually one of our partners now uh, actually partnered with us because he was like this is the best event I've seen in this venue before so you know it's been working out really great for us. So I think, you know, showing people who we are through the kind of events that we throw. And then also, you know, we want to go behind the scenes. You know, a lot of alcohol companies aren't super transparent with the way that they produce their products. Um, you know, you see this big shift in dairy products and, you know, vegetables and a lot of the farm to table stuff. Yet when it comes to the alcohol world, it's so strange. It's like, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's keep it more of a secret. And, you know, from my experience diving into the industry for the past, you know, three years, I've seen why. You know, a lot of these a lot of these beverages, all these seltzers that people are drinking have all kinds of just not natural stuff in them. I mean, everything from the alcohol coming from, you know, just a either a malt base or a, uh, you know, a distilled cane sugar base all the way to, you know, using things like erythritol and that kind of stuff. We want to show people that Havana is made from all organic and natural ingredients. And we can do that with, you know, showing them the backstory, showing them, you know, the back end of things. So I think that'll be also a big, a big part of our TikTok campaign as well. So when you initially said that you started this business on your own, that's a pretty big leap from going from being a pre-med student to a, not only just an entrepreneur startup, but a startup of a food and beverage product, A, one that's sold online, B, and then one that has all the restrictions and limitations that alcohol sales can have. What were some of the big, like, learning curve moments that you had? Yeah, a wonderful question. So I would say the biggest thing, so we're we the first company to organically can tequila. So when we started this venture, like, way back in 2019, I actually would go down to Mexico and connect with everybody I could in Jalisco and in some of the states where tequila can be produced because it's, it's actually restricted. It can only be made in one of five states in Mexico. You can't make tequila and call it tequila anywhere else in the world. So we were looking for a cannery there and they could, you know, can the tequila organically. And we even tried certifying a few. We couldn't get them to certify. And so we actually had to work out a way to can our product in Colorado. So you know, that was a really big hurdle that we had to get through because nobody had done it before. And it sounds like not that hard of a thing to do, but you'd be surprised, you know, the hurdles that the organic certifiers make canneries and, and bottle, bottle facilities um, go through, you know? So that was one of the big things. I mean, gosh, there's so many learning curves when it comes to marketing. It seems like I'm learning something new every day, whether it's like, hey, Facebook ads aren't doing it anymore, or, you know, you need to look into how we're going to utilize NFTs and market that. You know, we're, we're getting into a lot of different spaces. So I'm like, I'm drinking from a fire hose constantly, seems like in almost every facet. But learning and figuring out how to can the product organically since nobody else in the world had done it and a, you know, however old 
alcohol industry is, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. That was probably one of the biggest feats that we had to accomplish, but we, you know, stuck with it and finally, finally came out to the end with a good product. And so you mentioned that you have a COO now. Who, what other um, team members do you have? Do you, are you still operating on a really tight, small team? And what are your plans for growth in terms of adding team and staff members? Absolutely, yeah. So we, we do have a small team. Um, everybody is an absolute, like, weapon in their, in their section. So, yeah, Austin Fisher is our COO. Um, he's also our vice president. And he is just kind of like a Swiss Army knife. He does just about everything, anything that I need him to, you know, like, let's say I'm shorthanded on our marketing side. I'll be like, Hey, learn everything you can about SEO, like go and find, find me an expert in it and, you know, bring them back to us. Right. So do some research, make sure you know what you're talking about and then find an expert in it. Right. And so he'll help me recruit. He'll help me with supply chain issues, which is really, really a challenge with, you know, tequila coming from Mexico, cans and aluminum shortages and just about shortages and everything else right now due to the pandemic and everything. Um, and we also have our creative director, um, Adam Johnson, who does all of our design work. Um, he's just absolutely amazing. Came from SCAD um, and worked for Under Armour, worked for Nike, and does an awesome job for us. We have our two formulators, Andre Riotica and Eric Meyer, and they both, um, well, Andre Riotica has experience with Coca-Cola and Bacardi, um, and he does a wonderful job, you know, just stretching out as far as we can with innovation and, and trying to use new um you know, better for you and mindful ingredients and, and all of our new SKUs. Um, and then we have a marketing team that consists of about five people um, led by Dylan Menstry and some people out of L.A. And they are wonderful. They run our social. They do a lot of our strategy with the in-person events all the way to the B2B sales. We have our, our director of sales, and he is absolutely amazing. His name is Jonathan Guzman. And so he handles all of the California market B2B sales. And we also just brought on a really interesting one is our kind of Midwest sales team that we just partnered with. And he's actually the owner of the number one White Claw account in 2020. So he, his uh, facilities actually ordered more White Claw than any other account in the country in 2020. So he's our newest ad and he will be kind of bringing Ivana to the Midwest, which is really exciting for us. That sounds like an amazing team and obviously still room for growth, but a lot of great people in place. Um, yeah. You mentioned earlier that you, your first distribution delivery, delivery was from your car. Um, <laughs> I love that because that's such a great startup moment. I'm sure you'll probably always remember that. But yeah. now that you're, you're preparing to scale and are in the process of scaling, how are you handling distribution? Yeah, wonderful question. So for California, we are self-distributing. We are considering some partnerships. We have had a few reach out to us and put some options on the table. But one thing for us is, you know, when it comes to distributor, a partnership is so crucial for us that it's the right partner. You know, we don't want to just get on anybody's truck because I've gone in person to retailers and met the buyers and met the dock managers for some of these I mean, everything from bigger grocers to your mom and pop liquor store. And we hear so many, you know, complaints about how distributors can treat them sometimes. And so, you know, like, we like handling it, especially for our home market in-house. And, you know, I think that is a really strong suit that we have. It helps us work with them. You know, if they 
succeed, we succeed. You know, we're not like selling pallets to a distributor and then saying, you know, sayonara, you know, good luck, right? We are actually partnering with all of our retailers um, that sign on with us. And, you know, we don't only just take care of them in the delivery, but we take care of them making sure that our product, you know, is moving off their shelves and that kind of thing. For outside of California, we're working with um, some independent distributors in specific states that we sell in. So we'll, we will be looking for more of a national distribution option um, as long as we feel comfortable that they're going to take care of, you know, our retailers and, and not neglect them. I think that's so important that you're monitoring the distribution that well because your brand is so early and that aspect of the, getting the product to the end user, whether it's the B2B or the B2C, is so important to the customer service experience. It so is. And, you know, it's not just like making sure that our buyers are happy and the retailers happy, but also the consumers. I mean, if you walk into a store and a distributor isn't, you know, prioritizing our product, then the product's going to be poorly placed. It might be upside down. You know, it might have scratches in it. So, you know, really trying to control every facet, even down at the distribution level, is really important, especially when you're new, because you, you can't have something go out that doesn't represent you perfectly, right? So, you know, we have a lot of weight on our shoulders, but we're handling it really well, and we are, you know, doing things the right way, and it's great to, it's great to see the difference. You know, we walk into a retailer that we personally distribute to, and I see the difference and just the way that the buyer greets me, you know, I go up and talk to them and they're like, oh, wow, I'm like super excited you're here because I know that we have a relationship and if I ever have any issues, like I can just talk to you. Whereas some of these distribution companies just drop off cases and, and leave before I even talk to them. So, you know, we like taking care of our people and, you know, we, we want to make sure that they're successful just as much as we want to be too, you know. Are you doing live events at your independent vendors, or are they held primarily like at bars and clubs and things like that? I guess, I don't know if the alcohol walls even allow you to do anything at the vendors, but it seems like that would be a great place to uh, at least do a little taste testing if it was legal. Right, yeah, of course. So, so on-premise, that is where, and when I say on-premise, I mean like a bar, a club, a restaurant. That is where we do our experiential events you know so it goes beyond the tasting we actually like do a lot of our our on-premise marketing material we actually build it in-house like for example a few weeks ago i built a 10 foot tall by nine foot wide um hedge that has a big like neon Havana sign on it um you know we we really like roll out all the stops when it comes to our in-person on-premise events so you know we not only bring a wonderful tasting product but we also create an atmosphere where it's like wow this is awesome and I'm experiencing more than, you know, just a great thing on my taste buds, like around great people and the atmosphere is wonderful. And then for off-premise, so, you know, your grocery stores, your liquor stores, there we can do tastings. It's more of an, like, more personal thing, whereas our on-premise events, like, it's, like, more of a party. And then our off-premise, you get to talk to me. You get to talk to one of our co-founders, like Austin, or our sales director. You get to talk to somebody that's actually you know, been to the fields where we pick our agaves from, which is really awesome experience for the consumer because not only are you just, you know, talking to, you're not just talking to somebody that, you know, was just hired randomly because they're great at pouring or whatever. You're talking to somebody that really knows their product in and out and you get to like hear about it before you buy it. So yes, we do love doing pourings with our retail partners that are off-premise and it's just a wonderful way to connect with our consumers. It sounds like such a great way to build brand evangelists, too, because you're just really connecting on that one-to-one basis. And then 
that organic aspect of this really high, highly engaged fans spreading the word is obviously working super well for you. So what kind of products are coming out next? So we, right now, we have a organic margarita um, and an organic Paloma. They both come in a 12-ounce can, and we sell them in four packs. Um, a lot of off-premise locations will group the four packs together. So, you know, it's kind of like a variety eight-pack kind of deal. So what the future looks like, so the Big Staples for us is low calories, um, zero grams of sugar, because something that we do and kind of take pride in is a lot of products that come out with zero grams of sugar, they either use a, you know, really unhealthy, not safe sugar alcohol to make it sweet, or they use some type of artificial sweetener in it. And we use absolutely no artificial sweeteners. So you don't get that kind of, you know, weird after bitter taste or, you know, aftertaste with a burn in it. Um, it tastes just like you're drinking something that has, you know, a proper amount of sweetness to it without that kind of fake feeling. So that's one of our things going forward. You know, we want to keep that same style in all of our products. So next we actually have coming out will be a glass bottle margarita and Paloma and a mango margarita as well. And those will be a little higher alcohol. So right now we're, we're very mindful on the alcohol side. We're about 4.5% which there's a lot of reasons um, for that as far as, you know, health-conscious side to it and mindful drinking and being refreshing and that kind of thing. Now, this next one will be closer to 6%, and so it's a little bit more of an authentic um, cocktail without actually, you know, knocking you on your butt. And then we also are launching at the end of the summer, which I'm the most excited about, will be our 750-milliliter um, bottle of organic Blanco tequila. And that one I'm excited about just because the tequila world has gone so much into high batch size, produce as much as we can, you know, push it with a celebrity that's losing its authentic Jalisco touch. And so we're going to bring that back into our organic bottle and um, sell it locally in, in L.A. and then branch out from there. So that's what I'm the most excited about. Okay, so I wanted to ask you how thin do you think it will be before you are hanging out with George Clooney based on your obvious <laughs> success in the tequila industry? <laughs> oh, you know, I don't know. But I will say anybody that is tied into the tequila industry, we do find ourselves in Jalisco a lot. So, you know, I've, I've met some interesting people there. And who knows, maybe, maybe sooner than later. Well, and the question that I had for you, in all seriousness, um, well, and I mean, by the way, if you do get connected with George, just let me know because I'd like to hang out with him too. But um, on a more serious note, I, well, I mean, who doesn't want to hang out with is George Clooney? Is, is he on your you list? Are... Is he on your list? <laughs> um, in case you meet um, somebody like that. <laughs> I am not. I am not revealing who is on my list. Okay, we are not. That is not the topic for today's um, episode. However, I do want to give a shout-out to my amazing husband. His birthday is Christmas Eve, so he's the Christmas angel. And, yeah, but who doesn't want to hang out with George? Come on. And then you're hanging out with George, you're hanging out with Brad. Not just the Brad that we're interviewing, but the other Brad. So you know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, um, in all seriousness, though, are you going to expand past tequila into vodka or rum, or are you just going to stay in the tequila lane? Yeah, so we have looked into vodka, and we actually had a full plan, and we actually have already formulated um, some vodka, organic vodka RTDs, so an organic vodka-based wild berry acai 
kind of more seltzery style drink. And we also have a strawberry lemonade that's organic vodka based that we formulated and they both taste incredible. Um, we are actually kind of leaning more towards rather than coming out with those flavors, launching more tequila flavors. And that's just because our consumer base has loved the tequila. And looking at it on a mindful of conscious standpoint, tequila performs really well um, as far as, you know, ounces of a alcohol to calorie ratio. So as far as, you know, drinking and trying to you know, keep it all clean, we love the tequila aspect. So I think we're actually going to stick with tequila, even though we have a vodka formulation ready to go. So kind of an interesting take for us. But yeah, leaning towards the tequila. So how do you think you're going to be able to compete with the big, huge companies out there? You mentioned companies like Bacardi and Coke and et cetera, et cetera. You've got Truly and White Claw and all those other companies out there. I understand you have a uniqueness on the uh, organic side, but you know these are companies that have billions and billions of dollars just for marketing, not even anything else. Right. And how are you going to compete against those companies? Absolutely. So... You know, Jose Corvo actually launched a product that is exactly like ours. Um, it's, you know, same amount of calories, same amount of alcohol, same amount of sugar. Uh, you know, they're not organic. You know, we see, we go down to Jose quite a bit. We see, actually have seen how they produce their tequila. It's a very different method. It's not, you know, as authentic or true. That being said, no matter how, you know, much more real we believe that our product is, you know, it takes a little bit more than that. So what we're creating with Ivana is not only a commitment to our customers to never let, you know, volume overtake our quality, we're also creating, you know, like I said, with the on-premise events and with our branding, we're creating an atmosphere that, you know, a ton of marketing dollars can't create. You know, that's why a lot of the in-person events and the in-person marketing and grassroots is is really big for us. Um, kind of similar, one of the companies we look up to is Nosotros, right? So we really admire how they've kind of done that ahead of us, and we're kind of following in their footsteps, creating the same atmosphere that, you know, no amount of money can just buy, right? So that's what we're working on, keeping things transparent with our formulas, and that's um, our biggest differentiator in how we're going to hold our own against them. So I have one last question, and then Tracy will ask, and um, about your company culture. Um, how do you keep your company culture going when you're in different spots? So, for instance, you have a distributor in the Midwest. You have a distributor in California. You're in different places. How do you keep that company culture going, especially nowadays during COVID and the remoteness? Right, yeah. Hey, drink. Um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. During, yeah, a lot going on. So one thing that I do is before I do business with anybody, whether it's a distributor or it's going to be a partner or even a salesperson, you know, I go and meet with them in person and, and we, we talk about things aside from, you know, how good of a salesperson are you or how many trucks do you have? I talk to them about morals and, you know, where they see themselves in five to 10 years and find out what that is and see if it aligns with, you know, good values that I believe, you know, support just the human condition getting better and, 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 you know, becoming higher quality. So that's something that I do. You know, I, I basically go and make sure that everything is lined up with us in person and myself. And so that's kind of what we do. And we, and we also just make sure that we're not partnering with anybody that has, you know, some kind of weird um, ulterior motive that's, that's not going to benefit our consumers. Thank you very much for listening to KHS 1220 98.1 FM. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.